Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Anthony, alongside the best Big 3 account in the universe, Big 3 News, a.k.a. Will, back with another edition of The Fourth Man. And today, we have another awesome episode, dope interview on the back end of this. I mean, like, dope, dope. Like, very, very. Probably, like, top five up there. A lot of interesting news that's going to get your, your wheels turning a little bit if you're, ta- if you're thinking Big 3 and, and what's to come with it. But first and foremost, how you doing, my guy? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I got to tell you, you know, you talk about top five uh, interview. First of all, absolutely. It was a top five interview just because of the way that it went. But I'm, yeah, I don't right. think, you know, I don't even think we're sugarcoating by saying this is the biggest name we've ever had. Possibly. You very know? possibly. I mean, I mean, first coach, uh, just a little bit of a hint there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, first coach. Know, if you've seen the title of the episode, you know who it is. But, you <laughs> know, absolutely, you know, for the Dash guys, we'll, we'll be a little bit suspenseful. You know, first coach that we've had, and this is someone who – you know, has had a legendary career, mm-hmm. you know, Very and just in career. terms of basketball. So I'm just super excited to, you know, leave with that. But honestly, you know, let's talk about the big three. You know, it mm-hmm. the floodgates look like they have been opened. You know, we're finally starting to hear things. I mean, my phone last night, I felt like it was like mid-season or like draft season. I, hadn't, I did too. hadn't I was, been that way in so long, man. I was so happy. Getting that feeling of like, okay, we're, we're about to really buckle down. I mean, this is, this is getting serious. And we're, we're going to get into everything that the big three has provided for us in terms of news over the past week. But before we do that, we got to talk about the show a little bit and how you can follow the show. If you want to follow the show on social media platforms, keep up to date with all the big three stuff going on at fourth man pod at big three news at a underscore Siggy. And if you want to watch the show, instead of listen to the show, youtube.com slash fourth man pod. And for those of you listening on Dash Radio, we alluded to it. We appreciate you guys, as always. First-time listeners, if you're coming back to listen every week on Saturday, we appreciate you guys, as always, on the Nothing But Net channel through Dash Radio. All right, let's get into it. I mean, mean, I'm trying to think of where to start. I kind of – I think we should start here with the most recent episode of the No Chill podcast. Yes. Featuring Gilbert Arenas, uh, Mike Botticello, a guy that we had on, and they just recently had Nick Young on. Now, if you're a long-time listener of the show, you – know throughout this two-year offseason that Will and I have repeatedly talked about how we thought Nick Young was going to be a part of enemies. I mean, it, it seemed like a sure thing. Well, right. it seems like Gil kind of thought that too, because on the most recent episode, Gil comes out out of nowhere with a swaggy P enemies jersey, rocking the number one, uh, presents it to him, and pretty much offers him the team, the, the to enemies team. He says, you pick your guys, uh, you know, you pick your shots, you pick you negotiate your contract. You can have my, you can have my, the money from me. He'll offer him not just, you know, <laughs> his own salary, but salary, but Gil's salary as well. So making a coach's salary as well. Yeah, exactly. So pretty much presented the offer. One thing, Gilbert Arenas pretty much confirmed that he's going to be a coach. We're going to be mm-hmm. seeing agency or within the rankings of coaches, but two, uh, Nick Young has a huge offer on the table and one that he's going to be able to contemplate as he plays in China here in about a month or so, but, Wow, Will. I mean, yeah, this confirms everything, but it, it seems more exciting when they actually talk about it from this standpoint. 
Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And I want to make sure that I make this clear because, you know, this podcast is all about accuracy, right? We're not stirring the pot. We're not creating gossip. Mm -hmm. This has all been offered to Nick Young. Mm -hmm. Nick Young has not at this moment, as I sit here on February 25th, has not accepted the offer yet. Right. That very well may change in the coming days. But, you know, Anthony, I know you've sort of gotten more of an inside look on that. You know, I think what was the phrasing that they said, you know, that's a little bit down the road before yeah, we go confirm we don't know it. how the league is going to work out. He's going to have to negotiate a few things, but the offer is at least presented. The offer is on the table. And so, you know, exactly what you said, you know, I think Swaggy P basically said, you know, uh, some stuff that I think he was kidding. Like they got into like <laughs> strippers and stuff to bring on the road, Maybe. you know, and he said, you know, I want to be a family want. man now. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's supposed to be engaged, but he's like, I need strippers too. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I want all the shots, you know, that I don't know how realistic that is, but some stuff that I think was probably realistic is I think Swaggy P said out of the seven guys on the team, I want to pick four of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Gil was like, I all, you can have all of them, you know? So, <laughs> so maybe, you so, you know, I think Nick Young is really, if he's coming to this and Anthony, you said this to me off the show, but I feel like if Nick Young is coming, he's like, I'm only coming if, you know, I'm going to make this a stacked team. Yeah. So en- enemies are going for it, man. They might be the team that, just completely comes into next season looking completely different, almost like a brand new expansion team. Right. From, I mean, from the top down, from the coach. I mean, it seems like Gil is adamant that he is just going to play. He made that pretty clear that he's only going to play. The knees are done. He played with an injury last year. And he said that because of the age being lowered to 22, he's like, did you hear the age being lowered? It's 22. (laughs) I couldn't even keep up with my mood. At 50-something. I'm not about to get embarrassed by 22-year-olds. So he seems like he's pretty into coaching. I think the thing that really stuck out to both of us within that recent episode of the No Chill podcast, recommend you guys listening to it because it's always great stuff. But Yeah, and our guy Mike did a fantastic job with that as well. 100%. 100%. And he did a good job within, you know, prying a little bit more information from Nick. He was kind of presenting some ideas. And names that that seemed pretty interesting that I think even picked – or I should say Pete – Swaggy P's interest was OJ Mayo potentially mm-hmm. being the guy he goes after. Um, he said he'd want his big to be Jordan Hill, a former Lakers teammate. Jordan Hill was the first name out of his mouth. Yeah, Jordan so Hill. It sounds was like a- that's going to be the first phone call that he makes. Is yeah, Hill. exactly. And the last guy was Michael Beasley, who mm-hmm. has gotten a lot of attention. I mean, not only from teams, but the league in itself. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, let's think of a team with Beasley, Young, Hill and OJ Mayo. Now I haven't seen OJ Mayo playing forever and I haven't seen Jordan Hill playing forever, but looking just, you know, from their time in the NBA, those are solid players that you'd be bringing in. I mean, enemies, there would be no enemies hate from you this off season. No, I mean, listen, man, if you're going to bring this is, I mean, let's look at this. I'm pulling up right now. Let's look at this from a logistics standpoint, right? I'm so excited that we're finally getting into this. (laughs) Uh, So you pull up the enemies roster on the official big three websites and right now it's not updated yet, but the captain is Gilbert Arenas. The co-captain is uh, Perry Jones III. Mm-hmm. The other co-captain was Lamar Odom, who we now know, you know what I mean? Right, Enemies right. had an open captain spot all season. So as far as I'm concerned, Perry Jones is still there. Yeah. I mean, he at least still has the, the rules and the right to still be co-captain unless he decides to move on, you right. know? Um, I think Swaggy P said – Harry playing good, but I wouldn't pick him for my co-captain. Didn't yeah. he, doesn't he say that? Like, he seems explicitly? pretty adamant about like flushing out who was there yeah. and bringing in his yeah. guys, which I mean, 
I, Gil's like, okay, if that's what you yeah, need Gil's to do. Yeah, Gil's like, whatever you want, man. So, <laughs> whatever you want. So I don't know. I mean, but Perry played great. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him. But I mean, we've seen this all the time with captains get shuffled and, you know, guys move from one team to another just to find a better fit for themselves. Um, but right now, you know, so let's say Swag Royce, he's the captain, right? Royce, was Royce, Royce White's on. gone. Yeah, yeah Royce was planning to move on. To move on. Um, but he was a draft pick. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so. You just look at the fur who the first three guys are going to be. Assuming that Perry Jones isn't going to be there, you know, you get two picks. So it's going to be two of OJ Mayo, Jordan Hill, and Malik, and excuse me, Michael Beasley. Mm-hmm. And if Perry Jones decides to stay, or if they're like, oh, actually, if Gil, you know, grabs Swaggy P, he's like, no, actually, like, Perry Jones is my co captain. So he's going to be there, like, regardless. Then yeah. Swaggy P only gets one choice as co captain. And so then that, to me, I think is going to be Jordan Hill. I think it is, too. He seemed mm-hmm. like that was the guy he really wanted to bring in. Like, O.J. Mayo and, and Michael Beasley were more of options that Mike presented yeah. to him on the show and that he thought were were good options. But it seems like his guy is Jordan Hill, which yeah. sounds like we need to start following Jordan Hill just to see if, <laughs> with everything <laughs> going on with him. But let's get back to Michael Beasley real quick because sure. some interesting segue into the next thing that we can talk about is that the big three is sliding in some DMs. And one yeah. DM that they have slid into that's been made publicly known is Michael Beasley's. Now, he reposted this on the story, the message that the big three sent with them with some thinking faces. And then Thomas Scott reposted that on his own story and said, hit me up. So we don't know what's going on from there. But another guy that we have speculated about oh, yeah. repeatedly, he has continuously put out content about his game on his Instagram story. We know that he was in the G League draft for a second, um, looking to get picked up and prove himself again. But that's a guy that I think, I mean, we talk about guys that can really, are really made for this league, can really execute. That's Michael Beasley. I think he would dominate in this league. I mean, I think you're talking about an MVP candidate. Michael Beasley is an NBA player. If he didn't contract COVID, he was going to play for the Nets in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. He was going to be playing NBA playoff minutes last season. If it was Tyler Johnson for, you know, took his spot, right? Like, look at Tyler Johnson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just funny to see that this is what the big three does. You know, I think we always sort of speculated, <laughs> like, how do the big three chat say? And it's, you know, just shooting your shot in Instagram comments. I so, thought they know, would be like calling people or getting yeah. some of their guys to like, <laughs> but you know, this is it, man. And reach so out it's, for them. it's really fun to see that. And, you know, it's funny too. Another guy who, you know, Dermar Johnson, who has sort of been on mm-hmm. top, I feel like who has been staking their claim to Michael Beasley, you know, yeah. he's like, no, no, Beasley's my guy. <laughs> like he's been calling shotgun on Michael Beasley forever now. Yeah. Uh, he says, he's like, he's been speaking to Mike about this. So personally, my personal opinion, and this isn't, any insider information, if Beasley's joining the big three, he's coming to three's company because so. of that DeMar Johnson connection. And if you're a fan of three's company, you're going to love just about all of this episode so, because this is a really three's company episode. But yeah, now listen, man, I'll tell you, I'm excited because I agree with Beasley young. He's athletic, you know, obviously playing the NBA, right? But um, he is, he would be an MVP candidate in this league. And even more so, I think he's got a legit shot to take that Joe Johnson route even to a further step. Like that's someone I see if he balls out, has a Joe Johnson type year in the big three. I think if he got picked up and had the opportunity to play in preseason for some of these teams, I think that's one that with the way the NBA kind of works, I think it's one where 
he's not too old of a bet that you'd be willing Dude, to bring he's in. He's 32. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, doesn't he's, it, he's like a year older than James Harden. Look, think about it this way, though. Think about it this way. Because we know how the NBA is now. They would rather have upside than they would have NBA veterans, which is right. still crazy to me. Um, but without that fact, think about it this way. Steph Curry's 32 and the oldest guy on the Warriors team. So that's what I'm saying. He's got to be in the yeah. right situation where they're willing to bring in at least a 32-year-old veteran because it seems like a lot of these teams are like, nah, screw that. We're going to bring in this 19-year-old kid who's got like a 7-8 wingspan, but he's super raw, you know? So Dude, he just turned 32. That's wild. I mean, if you're athletic – if people's athletic primes are 26 to 32, he's going to be playing in the big three in his prime. Yeah. That's and I think I think scary. it's. I actually think it's the best time too because you're all bringing in so many young guys. You can't say, yeah. "Oh, you're not keeping up with the young guys." You can't stay in front of the young guys. He's got a chance to prove all that right, right. now. Mm-hmm. Like I think uh, it's the perfect situation. But I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm not going to guarantee. I'm not going to think, in my opinion, that he's going to go to Three's company just yet. I think there okay. might be a little bit of a battle for his services. Oh, for sure, bro. For sure. I mean, sure. there already is clearly we've, you know, Nick Young has said something about it. We know what their stance on it. I mean, I, I mentioned the idea of ghost ballers and he turned, he shot me down so quick. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, no, not ghost ballers. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be for ghost ballers. So it's going to be warmer. Starts with a three, but <laughs> I wish we had, <laughs> I wish we had Michael Beasley's perspective because who knows what he's thinking right now. Yeah, I know. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I don't know Michael Beasley as a person. I don't know how he operates, you know, yeah. but I can only speak for myself. I don't share that screenshot unless I'm at least entertaining the idea. Yeah, 100%. You know, if if I find that disrespectful, quote unquote, as other people have to have their names associated with the big three, you know, I'm not sharing that screenshot with thinking faces. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm, 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 I'm like kind of hinting to the world, hey, this might be a possibility. That to me is me being like, I'm going to put this out there. And what's the general feedback? Yeah, that's Are a good people point like, too. no, don't do it. Go overseas. I'm not, oh, nobody likes the big three or whatever. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then, you know, I'm like, all right, maybe I don't want to go on the big three. But if people are like, yes, do it. Oh my God, we want to see you play, which I'm assuming well, the reaction is. Yeah. Then I'm going to play. Well, I'm thinking too that the feedback he might be most interested in is from other players not just within the big three but just in general like Mm -hmm. like what are your thoughts like you know i don't know if you think about it from like a respect standpoint but like what are your thoughts on the league yeah this is something that you think i should go into yeah 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 exactly so maybe he's just looking for feedback from players but that's an interesting one to keep um you know keep an eye on but i think even more so it's like who else is a big three dm because you know that they're not just oh. sliding into one guy. Like a guy I have to think they would slide into is is Lance Stevenson, which I know that yes. we've talked about endlessly, but we haven't talked about as of late. But Mm-mm. you got to think that, you know, Andre Owen, Owens and and those guys over at Aliens that play with them at the Indieplex, you know, are, are at least talking them up. Oh, for thinking, sure, bro. Hey, Lance, you want to come You want to come play with us at Aliens? I mean, when, when Lance Stevenson was – close to signing with the big three or as cl- you know, I mean, when he was speculated to be signing with the big three and with Andre Owens and aliens uh, for the 2020 season, right before COVID hit, mm-hmm. he was starting to get traction to return to Indiana. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. So at the time, so I remember that then at the time, everything sort of just, those rumors got shot down because they're like, no, Lance Stevenson is preparing to go back to the NBA. Right, um, right. And so then I was kind of like, all right, well, if that doesn't happen, maybe he'll, fall back and play the big three but we never got the chance to see that now 
I we haven't heard anything about Lance Stevenson or any traction. Well, just you know? outside the G League draft, which there was no traction for his services. Right. Like, we see we've we see for I mean, let's talk about Ignite. They have Amir Johnson on there. They got Jared Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's not like vets aren't coveted in that league. There was just no traction for some of those players. So no. So if I'm a Lance, I mean, God, dude, you told we talked about Pisa being 32. Lance Stevenson is 30. I know another he guy just who's just coming 30. in. Now. I mean, this could be a real like five-headed MVP race if you get the right guys in there. Oh, for sure, bro. Like, and which would just yeah. be so entertaining. You know, I mean, selfishly, I we would love that, obviously. I, but, we we so. would love to get all the names, you know, but these guys right. gotta do what's best for them. But you know, the fact that Beasley's entertaining this offer, you know, Lance, I'd have to imagine if they're DMing guys like Michael Beasley, I'd have to imagine Lance Stevenson is a name. I'd like to think Dwayne Wade is a name that they're DMing, you know. Um, God, I wish there was like a way to tell. I, I hope they're not DMing everybody. Like, like they could still use their phones, you know. Like somebody yeah. within the league has got to know one of their numbers, right? I mean, with so many connections. I mean, but you'd think so. But I don't know, man. To be honest with you, because if that was the mentality, why would you even DM Michael Beasley? I guess so. I mean, maybe it's more of like, hey, we don't want, want to harass you with the offer. But, you know, if, if you do want to learn more about the league, if you're interested, hit up our hit up our dire- uh, director of player personnel. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, it's like sending someone like when you when you get a call, right? And then you send them over. It's like the people in sales. <laughs> and you're like, let me talk you up a little bit on the league. And then, oh, yeah, you're yeah, interested? Exactly. Okay. Well, are you interested in being – a uh, uh, co-captain or are you interested in joining the draft like well I, I really think that i'm would like to be a co-captain okay well now reach out to people and see if anybody wants you for a co-captain and then the big three can go to you know demar johnson and be like hey demar we just got confirmation that michael beasley is playing you should yeah. hit him up or anybody you know however they they do it um, well i think we should we should put this out there too remember there is one captain spot open for three's company for killer threes, there's like a main, like oh, not a yes, co-captain yes. spot, like a captain spot. Correct. And killer threes. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's one that they can kind of, the big three can kind of leverage too. And like, Hey, we do have one team that does have a captain spot open and you would also be the GM. Cause that's the luxury yeah. of being and the captain. They, of the big they three. did that with, uh, I mean, dude, this is a highly coveted spot. First of all, they did that with yeah. trilogies, but killer threes is the runner up. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a ready-made championship team if everybody right. returns especially with the way that frank nitty obviously is young. They, they you know, have the I, option I, I ex- to bring everybody back except for one right. guy right you know so. dante the one dante green's been playing in the five tournament and what we've seen him in other things the oh, team dante back he's well right but he's a co-captain um but dante you know you'd love to play with dante mm-hmm. don if dante gets promoted to captain you're like i yeah you know yeah. that makes sense like he mm-hmm. deserves that yeah. frank nitty is going to be good you know, it's funny that we saw enemies talk about maybe getting Frank Nitty. Well, I think they were talking about they were bringing they in. Want, they were they owing, want Frank Nitty. Well, they want more. Oh, in my opinion, I thought like the way I perceived it was mm-hmm. like they were talking about other players like Frank Nitty being mm-hmm. able to come into the league. And that's why Nick Young was thinking they lowered the age, which Frank's like 30. So I'm not sure why they, you know, Frank was the the model for it, but. That's that's how I perceived it. But anyways, yeah, it was interesting that his name was at least brought up. Yeah. So I, you know, listen, you know, I don't know, man. This it's such an interesting time, and these next few weeks are really going to make or break. Or I shouldn't even say break. It's a lot. It's just really going to give make. us a very clear picture about mm-hmm. what this season is going to look like. But yeah, I have to agree. Just finishing that question, you know, Jamal Crawford is another guy who I'm sure they're DMing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Be, this is fun. It's going to be fun. But 
let's let's actually look at it from a broader thing. That just shows you where the big three is in terms of their mm-hmm. planning. If they're yeah. DMing guys, because I'm sure the next question that guys are having is, well, when is it? Mm-hmm. That's got to be the first question, right? You know. I mean, so yeah. if you know, so I'm sure they have some idea. The big three has some idea. It's a matter of, it might be a matter of like how many people are interested first, how many people are coming back. Because but, we have a clear timeline now. Yeah. If Michael Beasley is is damning that, I mean, does, is the time marked at all? February, I mean, we does, know he covers it, but it's recently. It's yeah. within this week or, you know, it could even be a couple of days ago right. um, that they sent that. So they're just starting to do that. So that to me means that they are steadily moving along. Or the fact you're reaching out to guys – Mm-hmm. Just shows me, you know, okay, maybe we, we maybe we don't have as much information as we would like. That's we have an, the, the, we have a timeline big... on how we need to move. And two, yeah. another thing that I keep hearing is like, and like they're one, they're posting again, like a little bit more regularly yes. than they have been. But two, everything that they t- talk about is geared towards the summer. You know, yes. even like within that DM, it, it says like we'd love for you to play in the big three this summer. So it looks like while they do have a timeline to. Um, in place, it looks like yeah. that timeline is headed for the summer, you know, just like it would any other season. So I think we're going to see this is speculation. I think we're going to see a late start. And by late, I mean normally I so how we too. start in June. I think we're going to start maybe 4th of July weekend and we're going to end like right I think before week time. one, week two of the NFL. Maybe so. I think it's going to be around the same oh, time. Oh, you know what? Also, too, I'm not really thinking if they do a condensed season. I think they are going to do a condensed season. I think that yeah, they, you know I'm not even thinking about that. So it might just be the full month of July. It could be. And I think that they might, as entertaining and as fun and as impactful they want to make this season, I think they're also going through kind of like a, a trial run in the sense mm-hmm. of, could we make this a shorter season or could right. we maybe extend more games and play in this kind of style? It's Who possible. Knows? But yeah. all we're saying is now's the best time to be listening to this podcast because we're sure, keeping you updated on everything hey, going we, on. We had the Gill story. We had the Gill story. Else. Hey, Mike and, gave it to us. I mean, listen, we have the Gill story for anyone. We're else. over here covering FIBA basketball. I mean, ISO Joe he, in the second leg of the America put up like 11, 9, and 7. Michael Thompson, who played for Power, he had a bad showing against the USA, but he had a great showing against Puerto mm-hmm. Rico. They almost upset them. He puts up like 21 points. Puerto Rico is a great on team. Four too, by the exactly. Way. Yeah. They, they have a lot of, uh, you know, NBA guys that are playing for Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Michael Thompson was essentially their most well-known guy. And they, they had a good game. He had 21 points. He led the way for the team, four rebounds, was shooting pretty well, you know, up to the later stages. But, uh, I mean, we're covering everything from that to even this. The Big Three actually just announced a sponsorship with Monster. Oh, yeah. Which I feel like is going to be huge. We talked about it a little bit before that it's, I guess, the Monster Energy or Monster – like big three has a whole new energy and that's going to be uh, like one clip a week. I mean, you explain. Well, I heard they might get their own flavor too. The big three. I heard we, we might see flavor? the fireball oh, okay. three flavor. Yeah. Ooh. So explain That'd to me how, cool. you, how, or explain it to listeners, how you explain it to me, what your idea of the sponsorship will look like. In a, well, so, know, so I think it's like, an, it's setting. a, it's a sponsor, like almost how we've seen with key and state farm where it's on the court. Right. So mm-hmm. you're just going to see the monster logo, but I also, I saw, um, in the literature that basically it was like, they're going to have like a highlight of like the week or something like that. Like their version of like, you know, the top plays. And then that's going to be, it's going to be like the monster moment of the week or something like that. Okay. Uh, the monster moment of the game. Cause so, I think they partnered with Barstool last year to do that's that. That's right. 
they did do that. They so did do a bar stool play with... of the week. Yeah, so now it's Monster. Okay. Well, Go figure. Yeah. Another big name in there, but so the big three is obviously doing big things. Jeff Jeff said there's going to be some big news dropping this week, but well, I think we're both in agreement. We think it's a monster thing. I uh, hope not. I hope it's not. But, but we've gotten plenty. I don't care. Yeah. This has been a crazy week. You know what yeah. I mean? If we get uh, if we get even more crazy news, we may have to record an emergency episode of this podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, before this would, one even comes would, out. <laughs> it would be our luck that 15 minutes after we're done recording this. Oh, that, that would like be Dwayne our Lee show. Joins. Yeah. I mean, that, that, to a that would be it in a nutshell. In a yeah. nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, every time we drop a podcast, you're like, oh, news is coming. It's like, okay, well, that should have oh came a little God. earlier. Yeah. But anyways... I think that we've covered everything from a pretty crazy week, at least from a big three perspective uh, over the past like year and a half, two years. That being said, we have a great interview on the back end that we alluded to at the beginning. We have Michael Cooper from the Showtime Lakers, head coach of the threes company. He joined us for a little bit and just talked about his career. And then we talked a little bit more about the big three at the the end there, but really cool interview, really candid guy. And then really appreciated his time on, on, on the show. Um, for the first half, that's going to do it. We appreciate anyone who's listening. Don't forget to subscribe. You can also find the show on YouTube. Like I said, youtube.com slash fourth man pod and dropping some big three please out here too, as well. So yes, make sure sir. we're in for all of that. We've had some good ones and they're only going to get better from here on out. So appreciate everyone tuning in. And here is Michael Cooper. All right, guys, today we have the pleasure of hosting and honoring a, a legend on the podcast today. He's a five-time NBA champion, two-time WNBA champion, D-League champion. This man's got more accolades than I can count on my fingers and probably list here in the amount of time we have. Uh, and he's also the head coach of Three's Company in the Big Three. Michael Cooper here. We appreciate you coming on, Coach. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, fellas. Absolutely. We kind of want to start here because we feel like you have such a storied career that we wouldn't be we wouldn't be we would be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about just your career as a whole. Um, first off, congrats to being nominated to the Hall of Fame for the 2021 class. Um, I'm sure that you were extremely honored by that. But Will and I actually talked about it and said, I felt like it came a little late. Just, you know, because it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, you have so many accolades and you've done so many things within the sport to better the sport. Were you honestly surprised when you got the call about the nomination or was it just more of, you know, gratifying the moment? No, I was genuinely surprised, uh, but a very honor. I mean, you know, I think there's so many players in the NBA that deserve to go in there or be nominated that you kind of like get that, that saying lost in the sauce, but I'm just glad that somebody recognized me and I'm able to get on the get on the list. Yeah, absolutely. First time being on that list. And a lot of that started with your career, starting with the Showtime Lakers there. Um I think this is just a general question that probably you've been asked a million times, but what was it like playing with, you know, guys like Magic Kareem and just being on that star-studded team and, and seeing that all kind of play out? I mean, was the Showtime Laker always kind of the, the strategy going in or is it something that just kind of formulated? Well, I think the way that this started needs to be uh, discussed to begin with Dr. Buss. I think when he first bought the team in 1980 and obviously drafting Magic and the team had already had Kareem, Jamal, myself, and Norm Nixon, his, his idea or his vision for the Laker organization was to become something bigger than the Celtics because back in the 60s, 70s, it was all about what Boston Celtics were doing, winning all the championships that they had won at that time. But he wanted to do something special in Los Angeles. He wanted to entertain the entertainers 
when we're not playing, we go to the movies and we watch actors, we go to the musical, you do other things for people to entertain you. He wanted us to be able to entertain them. And that was his vision, henceforth, the Laker girls, he had to have something to just get all that excitement going. <laughs> and he wanted an exciting team. Uh, he didn't want us to play the old basketball. I think that's one reason went into the drafting of Magic. He wanted somebody to up-tempo us even more. And with that, Showtime was born. So that was the fun part about the evolution of Showtime through Dr. Buss's dream and his vision for the team. And playing with Magic and being part of that special, unique core, which a lot of guys came under that umbrella, uh, Byron Scott, Kurt Rambis, A.C. Green, James, Big Game, James Worthy, Bob McAdoo, just to name a few. Uh, under all of that was like, you know, when you're young, and I grew up in Pasadena, California, out here in Los Angeles, and I had like five or six cousins that I grew up, we were a close family. And every Saturday, we would go from neighborhood, from block to block and play other people. We'd meet at the park and you know how guys are picking teams, there's 30 people out there and I got next, so who do I get to pick? Well, I'm not picking these other guys I don't know, I'm picking guys I know, so I pick all my cousins. <laughs> like us against the block or us against everybody else. And that's the feeling and the atmosphere that was developed with the Lakers. It was like, we're all brothers, you know? I came in the league, I was in the league first, but I hadn't played until I got to Magic's first year. So we bonded by going to breakfast at training camp. I had been there mm. the year prior to Magic coming. So I got a chance to know Kareem, uh, Jamal Wilkes, and uh, Norm Nixon real well. And then Magic's incorporated into that. So we kind of grow. So through the course of 1980 season, we just bonded well. And that was the thing is that we knew each other so well through practice and just spending time with one another is that there really wasn't a visual or anything we had to say. It was just, we could almost read each other's mind. We knew wow. if he knew I was on the wing, Magic knew I was gonna make a cut to the basket. And I knew he was gonna pass it if I got open. <laughs> so that's how much fun it was playing. So it's like playing with your brothers. That's you know, so you grow up and you just play and have a good time. And it just became instinctive. And then it turned into the first championship in 1980 and that evolved into four more. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the evolution of, you know, not only the NBA, but the sport of basketball really exploded, you know, from that era, from the Showtime era and all the championships you guys won in the 80s. How much credit do you give to where the NBA is now and to the sport of basketball itself in America or even around the world? How much credit do you give to what the Showtime Lakers were able to accomplish, not only on the court, but also in the promotions and all the attention they were getting off of the court? You know, the 80s was a new generation, a new era. Prior to that, it was the 60s and 70s. It was slow-paced basketball. It was just grinded out basketball. Usually the best teams won. You look at the Celtics, obviously, with the amount of talent they had. You look at the New York Knicks with Willis Reed and Walt Frazier and that group they had there. And now we step to the 80s. Um, I can't, and it's, it's, it's important that I say this. You can't save Magic Johnson without saying Larry Bird. And you can't say Larry Bird without saying Magic Johnson because when those two players came into the league, they re-energized, they uh, revitalized team basketball. They made it fun to pass. And before it wasn't fun to pass. It was dribble the ball down, throw it in the wilt, watch him turn and slam dunk. They made it fun to move the ball around. Magic no-look passes to Kareem. Kareem got infected by, by not always wanting to shoot every time he touched the ball. So now he became a passer. We cut to the lane. Kareem was dropping off dimes like that. So those two players 
just redid the whole structure of the fundamental values of team play. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about we. And Magic came there, and the first thing he said is, y'all, hey, we about to win a championship. Well, for us, it's like saying you can say anything you want to, but until you make it materialize out on the court, first of all, in practice, then on the court and in games, and then we find ourselves playing against the Philadelphia 76ers in 1980, that showed you what they can do with the game of basketball. So he and Larry Bird really, really changed the game because it was about passing. It was about do all the other little things. Larry wasn't a very athletic player, but Larry could beat you in many, many ways, diving out of bounds for a loose ball, setting a good pick for his teammate to get a lob, hitting a big three, posting up and creating that double team and passing somebody's open. So we changed the structure of basketball and when I say we, yes, it was Boston and L.A., but you got to remember Dominique Wilkins in Atlanta, George mm -hmm. Iceman Gervin in San Antonio, uh, Jack Sigma and Dennis Johnson up in Seattle. A lot of great teams through the, it, uh, throughout the course of the, that 80s program that probably didn't win championships, but they were instrumental on us changing the culture and the way teams were played. And I think because of we were such a transition fast paced team. In order to beat us, you had to get like that. So teams started slimming down. They stopped having the big 280, 290. Kareem wasn't that big guy, so Kareem could get up and down the floor. So we, I, I like to think that we were big, big instrumental in changing the focus, but it was a whole NBA as a whole. Then you start getting the international players wanting to get in, interested in our game and coming over. Again, the Olympics was a big thing. The dream team really set the world on fire uh, by – you know, and it was unfair because most teams <laughs> over international were playing with young kids. Well, we sent our pros to the Olympics and they dominated. And I think that gave international interest. And as you see now, it's just the NBA basketball brand is just booming all around the universe. I'm glad um, I'm glad you brought up Larry Bird there because I, I agree with you. The, the rivalry that those two had, you know, really was such a strong foundational piece for the league. And you know, when you talk about those Lakers and Celtics rivalry on the defensive end, you know, more often than not, Larry Bird was your assignment, you know, and Larry Bird has been quoted as saying that you were the greatest defender he ever had to play against. You know, what went into guarding Larry Bird? You know, what was sort of the mentality that you had to have or, you know, the, tac the tactical things that went into it? And I guess, how do you feel when you hear such a legendary player like Larry Bird, you know, give you praise like that? Well, I would say that's the greatest uh, 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 accolade that you could get is when your opponent praises you and I say this about him is that Larry was the toughest player I've ever had to guard against by the reasons I just stated before is that he didn't need the ball to score to beat you all the time I think his greatest play against the Detroit Pistons in the West Eastern Conference final and they were trying to inbound the ball all they had to do is get the ball inbound inbound and they beat the Celtics well what does Larry do steals the inbound pass those are to Dennis Johnson for a layup. And all you hear is Johnny Most with that raspy voice. Burr steals the ball. Burr steals the ball. So Larry was that kind of player. Larry, you know, you have some great ones where Michael Jordan, George Gervin, Dr. J, just to name a few. When they threw the ball, I didn't have to concentrate on them. I, you know, because Jordan wasn't Jordan until he had the ball in his hand. Well, Larry was going to beat you. So he uh, commanded and respected a, a certain amount of attention all the time on the floor. And I would, I would be amiss if I said I was the greatest individual defensive player. No one in the NBA, and there's been some great defensive players, can stop anyone. 
I wasn't known as an offensive player, but I don't care how great of a defensive player you are, I'm going to still get a shot. Where it comes into play, which helps me become that individual so-called, quote-unquote, great defensive player is my teammates. You know, if I didn't have them behind me and the structure of our coach on how we wanted to force a certain player, Larry Bird in this case, I would be lost out there. I mean, I could have done my own, but when he backdoored me and there were times that he left me hanging out there, I'm just trying to deny him. He goes back door. If James Worthy and Magic wasn't there to hold him up for a second or to, to uh, not let that pass get through so I can get back into the play, I would be, uh, as Shaq liked to say, barbecue chicken. So, uh, you know, the teammates, my teammates were big in helping me defend great offensive players, and I give them a lot of credit, too. And uh, I guess I'll finish with this in terms of the Laker questions, you know, Something I'm really curious, I don't know, really gets discussed a lot is from your perspective, from a Laker legend, that's such an elite uh, club, right? There's a ton of players that have gone through there, you know, from yourself and Magic and Kareem all the way down to Shaquille O'Neal. How do you guys view LeBron James and this current Lakers team? You know, when LeBron James retires, he decides to hang it up. Will he be a Laker legend such as yourselves, you know, for the one championship that he's brought and for the multiple others that he's going to attempt to bring? Um, or do you believe that he'll always be viewed as, you know, maybe like he's a Cavalier who had a stint on the Lakers? If LeBron had won the championship last year, he would be just a Cavalier who had a stint with okay. the Lakers. LeBron's in the club now. He won okay. the championship. He's in the club and he's wholeheartedly in there. And not only is he in there with both feet, he's getting ready to make some big waves because I think mm. soon, if not this year, next year, he's going to catch Carl uh, Malone for that second spot. So that's going to put him in there with a whole lot of stripes on his shoulders. But, you know, a lot of p- players come through the Laker organization. And I think in order to become that so-called Laker legend, it's not about where you play. It's about what you do for the Lakers, the productivity that you have with that team. And LeBron has done a tremendous job. Uh, I was I was a little angry at him when he made that what was it the decision or whatever it was mm-hmm. when he left Cleveland to go to Miami and you know I, I'm not big on that but what I'm big on is players trying to figure out how to win championships and mm-hmm. it took LeBron having the league of Cavaliers to go to Miami and play with D Wade and Shaq and and understand and be with Pat Riley mm-hmm. to understand what it took to win a championship. And what does he do with all that knowledge? He goes back to Cleveland and what does he do? Win a championship. So it's about players that chase money. I mean, those are dime a dozen, man. If you chasing money, go ahead on and you'll just be that player that played in the NBA. But players that are chasing championships. And that's why I kind of like what Harden did. He wasn't, he wasn't going to get it in Houston. He forced the trade to get there and you see what that guy is doing now with that Brooklyn team. They are a Eastern Conference foe that people won't have to deal with for sure this year. It depends on what they do after. But this year, that man made that decision for winning a championship. He saw what Durant did when he left him in OKC, and then he left uh, uh, OKC to come to uh, Golden State. So anybody that chases championships, as long as you do it the right way, I'm okay with that. But LeBron is truly a Laker legend, and uh, he's one of a kind, man. No doubt on Braun. I was actually like, your words were soothing because you were talking about Harden in a good light. And I'm a big Harden guy, as we'll know. So a lot of people don't talk about in this good light. They talk about the ego and just everything they hear within the media space. But really, like you said, like he had to adapt and understand what it takes to win a championship. And that's what he's doing right now. And he's really he's really succeeding. Um, all right. We talked a little bit just about the about the Showtime Lakers and, and the evolution of the NBA. 
Where I think we've also seen a little bit of an evolution is within the WNBA, the D League, now the G League, a couple places that you're familiar with and have won championships in. Just with that all being said, what what are your thoughts on kind of these other leagues growing and and more uh, I guess more eyes on different aspects of basketball other than, than just the NBA? Well, you know what I, I uh, when I first got involved with the uh, women's basketball back in 98, 99, I had heard that there was a league coming and there was a young lady that was a big time player at USC women's basketball. Her name was Rhonda Wyndham. She was our PR person or she was assistant PR person. And she used to tell me all the time, Cooper, there's going to be a league. The women are going to get this league because women were going overseas to play mm -hmm. in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, and she said, there's going to be a league. And she said, Coop, why don't you come up? And she had a, a summer league. It was called the Say No Classic. She said, Coop, come up and see the girls play. They play in the summertime. It was a professional league. And then they had a college league. And then they had a high school. So I was like, I don't want to, I don't know. She said, man, Lisa Leslie, Tina Thompson, Cheryl Swoops, mm. uh, just to name a few of them were going to be there and playing. So I said, okay, I'll come up. And I did it because I was a friend of hers. So I went up there and that's the first time I was amazed and wanted to become more involved with women's basketball. To see the women playing that day, Yolanda Griffin, a great player for the Sacramento team. Uh, the way that they were playing, playing like guys, banging on each other and everything like that. I said, this is kind of impressive. So uh, I watched that, got involved, started coaching one of her summer leagues. So now when the WNBA comes into existence, she was, you know, she was like, Coop, you, come on. And she, was, and she became the general manager of the Sparks. So they hired uh, Orlando Woolridge, a couple of people and Orlando Woolridge ended up hiring me as an assistant in 90, 99. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, Coop, come on, be part of this. And long story short, things didn't go well with him. And I, Johnny Buss, which is Dr. Buss's son, gave me the opportunity to coach. And that's when I took all the things that I had learned with the Lakers from my college coaches, some from my high school coaches, a good fundamental coach, and started putting that into play. And the powerhouse team in, in 97, 98, 99 was the Houston Comets. Tina Thompson, Cynthia Cooper, Cheryl Swoops was running things. So... Just working with the WNBA and the women who truly play the game the fundamental way because it's very it well now they're playing above the rim but before then they were not playing below, above the rim everything is done below so you have to do the fundamentals of uh, boxing out having good defense working the ball around passing it to each other working as a team setting good picks and those are all the things I incorporated into training camp which allowed that team and that and I'm so proud to be part of WNBA at that early stage. And I was probably, other than Orlando, one of the first named NBA players affiliated with that. Now you have so many, you know, you have the, I hate to say his name, but Bill Lambert, because I hate him <laughs> to death, but I love him. And we had some epic battles as coaches in the WNBA. You got Mike Tebow, a former coach with us with the Lakers, now a head coach with the Washington team. And you just have so many players uh, that are involved with that league. But to see that league grow and continue, and when I got in, people were saying, oh, this, Coop, this is only going to be seven years. Why are you in that? I Even Charles Barkley was like, Coop, why are you messing around in that? I said, you know what? These women can play. People are starting to see that now. And you got some great players. It's only going to yeah. get better. What has been uh, 27 years now, I think, 25 years that have been mm -hmm. in existence. Yeah. And it's only getting better. So I, I truly, truly am happy to be part of that. It's so cool to be part of a foundation so early on. And another league that's established, I think, because of these other basketball leagues is obviously the big three. Another league that, you know, you're you're in the early stages of being in, but 
was kind of a weird beginning for you, at least from our perspective. You know, we have AI there as a player coach year one. Some things were uh, going on throughout season one that were up and down for him. And then season two comes, we think he's going to coach again, and he's not. You end up getting hired as a head coaching job. How did you find out about the big three, and how did, you know, the offer come in through you uh, for the position? Well, I found out about big three is that, you know, the WNBA was playing. I was coaching in Atlanta with the Atlanta Dream. Okay. And I ran into Clyde Drexler. He was going to the airport. I go, hey, Clyde, how you doing? And we kind of like talking. Clyde is the commissioner now in the big three. Mm-hmm. So he goes, Cooper, I'm on my way to the game. I said, what game? He goes, uh, you know, I'm with the big three now. And I said, what is that? He said, Coop, that's Ice Cube's league. It's three on three, half court. And I was like, okay, how are they going to make this work? And and so that's how I got introduced to it. So once I left there, and once I left the Atlanta Dream, I come home and Clyde calls me. He goes, Coop, I see that you're not doing anything. Would you like to be involved in Big Three? And I had started doing my homework on it. And I kept wondering and, you know, just for the heck of it, I said, I'd like to try something different and got involved <laughs> with that. And what a league. Man, you know what? It, it, that is so impressive uh, how they have structured that. Because like I said, I kept wondering three on three, how they're going to do it to make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Well, what they did is they went out and got some former players who still had some skills left. And if I had just left out of the NBA, I would play in this league because it's that competitive. Uh, a lot of players, you know, some of the older players, uh, the thing they like about it is that you can shoot the ball, but you don't have to run to the other end to play defense. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thrill for some of them. So, but the coach in that league, and, you know, I got with Three's company, Allen Ivers' team, and, and Allen, you know, wanted to do other things and kind of glad, but our team was uh, Drew Gooden. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, Baron there your first year. Baron Davis was there. Yeah, uh, I had the market. Mar Maxiel, Jason Maxiel uh, yep. from Cincinnati. Heck, I got a good team, man. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it, it, we were solid, and my first year, we wind up playing for the championship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing. But we went up against a buzzsaw team, which I think was. Uh, uh, what's the lack of a better word, was rigged against us. The big baby Davis, I mean, they had a whip. And Nancy Lieberman, a, a, a coach that I love, I had worked against Nancy and coached against her uh, in the WNBA and love her as a person as well as a coach, uh, coaching that team. And it was an epic battle that we had. And uh, Power was the name of their team, and they went on and beat us. But it was a lot of fun. Still is fun. I'm hoping with this COVID thing has put us on hold, but it looks like we might be able to mm-hmm. get some games in. Uh, and uh, I'm just glad to be a part of that. And then I, if I get that one, I'll have the trifecta yeah. of all trifectas. Yeah. Uh, anything with the NBA on it, Michael Cooper has a championship in it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. But just to go back a little bit to talk about – the, the D League, which is now the G League, had an opportunity to coach in that uh, right after WNBA and had a team in Albuquerque, the Thunderbirds. And uh, our send down players were from Cleveland and uh, I think Indiana was our send down teams. But I had a player on my team in there, Andreas Glenyadakis from Cleveland. Seven foot one, a Greek player. We just call him, we just call him a big Greek. This guy was, you know, when players get sent down to the, to the D League or the G League, there's something missing in their game, some little small piece, whether they are late to practice or their skill level needs to go up or they just need, it's just something. 
And that's what I was trying to provide for our players that were sent down. Now, the other players that we drafted, I thought I did a pretty good draft. Brandon Robinson, a, a kid that's a left-hand kid, just a wild kid, but could play. And my job was to kind of teach them the practice sites, teach them the things you need to do in practice and be ready. And you know what? We put together a good team. I had Tony Bland, uh, San Diego State, great player, uh, had blown out his knee. I had Joe Ship, who was a Cal player, who made it to the pros and played a couple of games and was sent down. So I had a pretty seasoned team. My ultimate player was Chuck Hayes, who was sent down from the Houston Rockets. Oh, yeah. Blew, up, blew out his knee from Kentucky. And Chuck was a rebounding demon, man. But you know what? We put it all together, went up to uh, – Austin to play the Dallas Maverick team, the Fort, uh, what they, Fort, uh, um, Fort Wayne or whatever they were, uh, and ended up beating them and won the championship there. And, you know, three of those players have gone on. Chuck Hayes went on. Chuck Hayes was a baller. Had a great play, uh, yeah. a great career and got, you know, he signed a big contract. I think he signed like five years, 52 million. And he called me about a week after he signed that. And he goes, hey, Coop, you know, I want to thank you for the opportunity, man. I want to give you a million dollars. I said, Chuck, man, you, I don't want none of your money. That's all the hard work that you put in. So that was the big payoff for me is to see these guys go on and, and make the kind of money. And at least that, not necessarily make the money, but play in the NBA because that's your dream. Uh, so know. it's been a lot of fun. But if I can get that big three. I think I, I can I can call it quits and wait for the next thing that the NBA has to offer up to us. <laughs> Will, I got I gotta ask you, why aren't we running into like Clyde Drexler's in the airport there? I, I don't know. I was in Atlanta and I never <laughs> ran into anyone like that there. So it, was, it was actually a fluke because that side of the airport in Atlanta we were on, we usually don't go on that side. So I think it was just something that was supposed to be, but I'm uh -huh. glad I ran into him. That's super That's cool. That's awesome. What uh, you say winning this championship in the big three, I got to be honest with you, Coop, you know, I think you might be underestimating the impact that you had on that three's company team. You know, you and you inherited a pretty, I would say, interesting situation or, or turbulent situation, to say the least. And you really turned them around and they were a legitimate championship contender. What do you think three's company has to do heading into 2021 to get back to the finals and hopefully win it? Well, you know what? Unfortunately, we lost our probably our best player, Andre Emmett. Yeah. Uh, was killed last summer, a uh, year and a half ago, was killed. And Andre was probably the best one-on-one -on -one player that was so suited for that league. Yes. <laughs> because all you have to do is get the ball back behind the free throw line, then you turn and you can go score. And Andre was the best one-on-one -on -one player in that league, hands down. So it's going to be hard replacing him, but it looks like we pretty much can keep the the, the foundation of our team uh, in Maxio, Drew Gooden. Uh, I had went out and got Dijon Thompson, player for out of UCLA, uh, and we got DJ, uh, used to be a player in Denver Nuggets. So mm -hmm. we got the core of our team. Oh, and um, um, uh, what's the defensive player from Cleveland Cavaliers? Dante oh. Jones. Dante Jones, yeah. <laughs> uh, who is a coach now with the Clippers, I think. He uh, Dante come back as a defensive player. So we got a good, solid team. We just have to be able to score and stop running up against these teams that are placed to win. Uh, like Lisa <laughs> Leslie's team the last time. She had jumped. <laughs> I got beat in the final by two women, uh, which I love. Lisa Leslie's team was very good. Uh, and, you know, they had Joe, Joe Johnson, and she had a whip too. So uh, hopefully I can get one of those placement guys or, or those ringers. I'll call them those ringers. And I, can get our team I think your team's working on that. that. Win or lose, that is such a great league. It's a great league for us old coaches, Rick Mahorn, uh, 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 just all the coaches, Iceman, Gervin, they're all coaches. So we're like, 
reminiscing our past through the league because we sit in the <laughs> lobby and talk about what what we, what we were like. <laughs> How crazy is it for you of an experience to look over, you know, at triplets and you see Lisa Leslie, a player that you had a ton of successes with the Sparks, and now you're coaching against her and she's drawing up plays and she has Joe Johnson. You must be like, oh, my God. That's exactly. That's my <laughs> like, I taught you that play. <laughs> you know what? When she won the championship, she paid me the ultimate compliment, too. She came over to me. She said, Coach Cooper, I love you. And I just want to thank you for helping me because I gave her some pointers about coaching. I said, listen, you're coaching guys. Just coach them. They want to be coached. And she did that. But she goes, Coop, the way you coached us with the Sparks is how I used to co- how I used to coach these guys here you know our practices didn't overlap so I never really got a chance to watch her practice but she said she was demanding of them and I was so happy that if I was going to lose anyone it would be to her but she is uh turning out to be and I don't think she'll ever be a coach because she has a lot of other interests going on but the fact that she loves the game of basketball so much her passion and her intelligence is what is big in the big three. And she did a good job. Uh, she kept standing over there like that. I said, smooth, you got to get that coach look off and smile. Enjoy that. Uh, she was serious. She was in it for all the marbles there. Uh, I want to reflect back a little bit on Andre Emmett. Man, the season two run that you guys had, obviously at the beginning of the year, Baron Davis is going crazy. He gets hurt. Andre Emmett kind of steps from the fourth man of the year role into the starting role. And he went crazy. I mean, I was looking at some of the numbers today. From week six on to week nine, you guys were three and one. You were holding teams to 30 points. And Andre was averaging 22.6 points a game, six rebounds, a little over three assists. I just want to talk about Andre like the human being, though, because we know of him as a player. We know what he was able to do in the big three, like you said, one-on-one, probably the best player in the league. But just as a person, I mean, I got to talk to him briefly uh, after a game that season three, but he just seemed like such a genuine, candid person that loved the game of basketball and was ultimately – willing to make the biggest sacrifices for the people he cared about. Would, would you agree that that's kind of the person he was? I would definitely. Andre is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, man. Andre, uh, his whole form was to get back, kind of get the same opportunity that Joe Johnson got. He wanted to go back to the league. Okay. Uh, he always talked about the league very passionately, loved his daughter. Uh, I didn't, you know, because it's just a short time and we're only there once a week in each city, you don't really get a chance to spend a lot of time with the guys mm-hmm. as you would like to, but the amount of time. The thing I'm going to miss most about Andre <laughs> is he used to, um, when Baron was playing, he came off the bench. So he would sit next to me uh, like two chairs away. But at some point in time, as I was sitting there watching, I hear somebody hit, feel my leg moving and he was hitting me. Coach, coach, I'm ready. Put me in, put me in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to miss that. So when Baron finally, you know, Baron had to retire, Andre became our go-to guy. Mm-hmm. And then he wasn't hitting me on the leg, but every time he would come up to me during timeout to catch me to the side, cool, get the ball to me, cool, get the ball to me. I, I can take them, I can take them. So we started drawing up plays and I told him, I said, Andre, listen, sometimes you have to be, you have to be uh, the person to attract and pass the ball, you know, because <laughs> when you're going to the hoop, you got to look for the other team because they're coming mm-hmm. over to get him. But you know, uh, it was such a devastating loss, man, that that happened. Yeah. And you know, he'll never be forgotten. Uh, but Andre was a unique individual, probably one of the best dressed guys I've ever seen because he's <laughs> so flashy, man. <laughs> and Always he, had the hair changing. You come into the locker room and go, hey, coach, ain't I sharp tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I say, you are, Andre, you are. I love that. I, I think the big three will find a way to honor him for season four. I, I just feel like that's the league they are. Um, 
last thing before we go, we hope to see you back in the league in season four, you know, albeit they, they come back and everything. But we do know that you're coaching this summer at some capacity with the TBT, the New Mexico alumni team. How excited are you to just coach in, a, in another league? It's, it seems like you and Joe are two guys that if there's a way you can stick your, your foot in some kind of basketball league, you're going to participate in some capacity. Oh, yeah. I, I've been given the opportunity. I know a young man down there, uh, a guy named Brandon Mason, who's kind of like setting it up from the outside of perimeter. Okay. Uh, he's a former coach with UNM. He, he texted me all the time, Coop, you ready? You ready? And I truly want to, but my commitment to the big three, if they don't overlap or some kind of way where I can do it, I'd be more than happy to go down there. The only problem with that is I heard, <laughs> and this isn't just, that if you win a million dollars, the coach don't get any. Why? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm doing all the coaching. They do the playing. I understand. But you got to give me something. So uh, in the big three, we get paid. But yeah. uh, it's still about the love of the game. And if I can do it, I'm definitely going to do it because Albuquerque is very close and dear to my heart. I went to school there, done a lot in the community there, and I would love to coach uh, that team if I had the chance. Super cool. Well, glad to hear that your commitment to the big three, and we hope that it does return. And hopefully they offset so you can coach them both. But, uh, Coach, we just want to thank the time. We know you have, we're, you're a little limited on time. So we just want to thank you for the time. It's really been an honor and a pleasure to have you on, and best of luck the rest of the year. Hopefully we get to catch up in 2021. Thank you, fellas. Let's season. do this again sometime in the future. Love it. And uh, Timothy, I mean, uh, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Will, thank you so much, man, for hanging in there with me, man. I appreciate it. You guys take care. Not a problem, Coach. Take care. True okay. pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was our interview with Michael Cooper, Three's Company Coach, 2021 nominee for the NBA Hall of Fame, excuse me, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, just all around an amazing guy. This honestly, you know, we were, I was telling Anthony afterwards, you know, we were sitting there and I'm listening to Michael Cooper speak and the Larry O'Brien trophy is shining in the background. It was <laughs> just hanging such out an absolutely like, it was like a bit of like a hallelujah moment for me, you know, like it was kind of, I was like, oh my God, like I can't believe that. We're getting the opportunity to talk to somebody of his legacy and of his stature. So very surreal. very surreal. So I thank you all for being a part of that journey. And I hope that you continue on with us because it really is just getting started this season. And, you know, this season is going to be the biggest and the best. You know, I know the big three saying that, but we're also making that promise as well, you know, on our platform. So we appreciate everybody who's stuck with us and everybody who's new. We appreciate you guys for hopping on. We promise we're going to make it worth your while. So Again, feel free to check us out on your number one podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that great stuff. Our Dash listeners, thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. YouTube, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe so we can continue delivering you awesome interviews, awesome episodes like this one, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.